0: Welcome to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'll be your host today. I got lots of entertaining business news information. I'm going to fill you in on some more of the. Well, it's the new tax law, but I've all got a couple topics that come up so often with my my clients that I want to make sure that I uh, really fill you in on some of the details for businesses that is really interesting in the new law, and I am quite uh, just kind of excited because there's so much to learn now that I figure the way I kind of put it, I'm going to be the uh, world's leading expert because nobody's done it for longer than I have. See what I mean? It's kind of cool. So like I say, every 30 years they do a big tax law change and it's really fun to see that uh, we've got a new one. So I really wanted to start today with, uh, I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA, glad that you're listening. What's really exciting for me is I've been doing the Business Buzz show now Tuesdays and Thursdays since the summer. What's really good is that I am now starting to get calls during tax season for clients who have heard me on the Business Buzz. So I'm really, really excited about that. So keep, keep those calls coming. Now, what I'd like to talk to you today, I always like to start off, as you know, with, uh, you know, a little bit of local business news. Now, last week I mentioned that there was a Friday afternoon meeting with uh, some local business things at the, um, it was at Val Ambrosia. I think it was over at the Card Center. I'm not, I'm not certain. I wasn't able to go. I had appointments and things. But I did want to keep you posted on that. Uh they, uh they were saying there's a restaurant boom in downtown Chico, and I've kind of noticed that. The new ones that they're listing from this meeting that they all discussed, the uh, upcoming things, Tellers. I'm not sure where that is, but could that be like an old bank building? That would be kind of clever if they called it tellers. In fact, I'll bet that's at the, you know, the old B of A building that was Chevy's for a while and it has crush upstairs. I'm guessing maybe that's the bank building and it's going to be called Teller's. LaSalle's, I guess that's coming back as some sort of restaurant. Lemon Shark Pokey, that's going in. I'm not sure where, but that sounds delicious. The uh, Bill's Town Lounge, which I'm assuming is going to be somewhere near the Old Town Lounge, which is about two doors down from Duffy's near the new Children's Museum. And Chico Coffee Company, which is going into where Pete's was, I really am curious to see how that goes because we do have Naked Lounge, which is a good coffee place that's a local business. Pete's couldn't make it there for whatever reason. Can a local business like Chico Coffee Company come in and do well when Pete's couldn't? I hope so. That's that's what I hope because that's a great corner. You really can't beat that corner. Does anybody remember the days when that corner was Main Street Music, a really nice music store? They were actually clients of mine. I enjoyed working with them. Very talented people. That was a great thing. And, of course, you know, music stores now. Remember a week or two ago I let you know that Herod's Music closed. They still have a Reading store, though. But we do have Music Connection there near the corner of East Avenue and Cohasset. But that's getting pretty limited because other than that, of course, it's the Giant Chain Guitar Center. I like going to Guitar Center. I think it's a good store. I think the people are real friendly. They're very knowledgeable. They're very helpful. And prices are good there. So it's a good store. But then again, it's another giant national chain, which is, it's always nice to see, you know, uh, it's always nice to see local businesses make it in the downtown especially. I've always had a contention that if it weren't for wealthy people that can afford to lose some money, the downtown wouldn't be as vibrant as it is. I can't really say that for sure, but I have known a few over the years. Even though they're losing money, it seems more like a hobby sometimes than a business, but, you know, if they, of course, as as far as the IRS is concerned, as long as you have a profit motive and you can show that you're conducting as a business with a profit motive and a business plan, Uh, business losses are deductible. That's the general rule. That's another thing you might want to talk to a professional. I've said before, there's lots of great CPAs in Chico. I consider myself one of them. If you have a hobby slash business that you may want to turn into a profitable business, but now it's only a hobby, there are ways that you can set that business up to where you will at least... Have the criteria to qualify as a business in case you lose money. I'm not saying that just because you have a hobby, you can go ahead and call it a business and lose money. That's absolutely what I'm not saying. What I am saying is that if you have a hobby that you're not trying to make a profit with now, but let's say you're retiring and you're planning on making your, let's just say I know of one client. Let's say you're retiring and your fish breeding that you've been doing in your backyard pond could be something that you could turn into an actual profitable business. That would be an example of where you really would be wise to talk to a professional to make certain that your business plan and your program and your you know checking your break even point. First you got to make sure that you can make a profit. I would never recommend you start a business without pre-planning a reasonable chance that you will make a profit. If there's a chance you won't make a profit, you need to weigh that against how much money you can afford to lose. This comes to things like people who sign commercial leases without thinking far enough ahead. I've seen families actually have to file bankruptcy because one of the spouses signed a long-term commercial lease with a pie-in-the-sky dream of having their own business, and it didn't pan out. But they had signed the lease, so you know what? It's buyer beware. Judges are very lenient on tenants who sign a residential lease, but then for whatever reason, if they have a job change or a divorce or something bad, they have to move. And judges in California uh, are very lenient on people who have to break residential leases, tenants. But a tenant in a commercial lease, that's a strictly a business item, and there is no sympathy for someone who obligates uh, a long-term lease and then goes broke. It's not a good situation. What I'm trying to point out here is that if you have a hobby and you might be able to turn it into a business, you need professional help. Number one, to analyze whether that Profit potential is real. And number two, to find out, okay, the profit potential is real. If I run this business in a professional manner and I do lose money for the first few years, will I be entitled to a tax savings with that loss? And the answer is perhaps. That's why it's a a bad, it's one of those gray areas where it's very tough, very tough. Now another gray area if anyone out there has income from a settlement that is the biggest gray area i have another person i talked with yesterday who has received a settlement and it's a very complex area because it's very it's very black and white if you have a definite definition of your settlement but if you don't have a concrete very exact definition of what the settlement's for, there's about three major different ways that settlement income can be. It can be fully taxable on the front page of your tax return for the whole amount. Here's how it works. Let's say you receive a settlement of $100,000, but let's say the attorney took $40,000 before you even got it. In other words, they sent the money to your attorney then he cut you a check for $60,000. That's the hundred that you settled for minus the $40,000 that the attorney kept for his fee. That's like a contingent fee. There's lots of ways this could end up looking on your income tax. The worst way is you have to list the whole 100000 then you try to take the 40000 as an expense on your itemized deductions. Then there's a way that it's possible that the hundred thousand could be netted, and on the front page, you're only required to list 60. So you're not trying to deduct the 40 later, you're deducting the 40 right off the bat. Then the third scenario is that the entire hundred is non taxable. Now, I won't get into a lot of tax advice because even though I am a tax professional. I do not want you to rely on what I say over the radio. You need to talk to a tax professional about your particular circumstances. My general stories are not in your circumstance. So make sure to always remember, don't rely on anybody's discussion of generic things. You might have a particular situation where you need to talk to a professional. So like I say, there's so many good CPAs here in Chico. There's no excuse for anybody not at least talking to one. I don't know how many offer a free consultation, but I do. So I offer a free initial consultation. And if you have any questions about this, that's a good way to get the ball rolling with someone who's been doing this for quite a while. So what I'm trying to say about these settlements is this is another area where it's a gray area. It's just like if a client comes to me and says, oh, I write music. I perform. I perform the music when I can at bars. I make 50 bucks of tips when I do, I'm in business. That is the type of gray area where it's like, well, you know, is that business loss really going to be legally deductible? And that's why you need the help of a professional to make sure that when you try to take losses like that, that you're doing it correctly. Of course, the problem is if you make a mistake and you lose your case with the IRS later, not only do you have to pay the tax you should have paid previously, but there's always mandatory interest. And there's usually penalties. Some of those are sort of optional, but they're usually there. So you just don't want to underpay unless you've really got a good basis for having done it correctly. And in my opinion, the best way to do that is to enlist the help of a professional. It's just a good idea to do that. Now, today, it was an interesting day in the markets. Everything seemed to go down. There was... Stock market down, bonds down at the same time. Precious metals, they're always down. I've, I've harped with you about that. I've been trying to explain to you why those always go down. Cryptocurrencies were down. So everything's down. So what do we make of that kind of day? I had told you last week about some of the guys that I listened to to get answers to that kind of thing. One of them was the guy named Gregory Manarino, And I just happened to listen to his after-the-market-closed video on YouTube today. And it was interesting because what he was saying is, number one, this decline of, he said, 1.37% on the Dow, which to me, I don't know all that. I didn't watch the TV to see this. I'm guessing it was down around 300 points. What he's saying is that's nothing if you weren't being told every day by the CNBC cheerleaders that the stock market can go nowhere but up, you would not even bat an eye at a 300-point decline when the Dow's at 25,000. What he's trying to say is that this is not a big deal, but what he was saying is that this decline in all markets on the same day means that people are going into cash, but what he's saying is, that cash will go somewhere else. It's got to find a home. He was saying that if this really was a disaster day like we had in 1987, I'm old enough to remember that. Some of you probably are too. If we really have a disaster day, you won't see everything going down. You'll see safety being bought. What he means is that today you would have seen bonds going up which means interest rates go down. You would see precious metals go up. You might even see cryptocurrencies go up because that's sort of a safety play away from standard assets. So his point today was this means nothing. It's all going to end up back in the stock market because like I was saying last week, I don't think too many people are going to invest in bonds that pay two over 30 years when the people issuing the bonds have promised to depreciate your money by 2%. And in fact, your money's being depreciated by a lot more than that. Not only is inflation picking up, if you've noticed at the store lately, the the value of our dollar against other currencies has been declining. It's down about 10%. Now, when we come back from the break, I've got some more things to talk about there, and I also want to, I'm going to fill you in a little bit more on the nuts and bolts. I don't want to bore you too much, but it's very interesting. I'm going to give you some nuts and bolts about the new tax law, just so you know some of the basics. Uh, there's a lot to learn. I'm still in the process of learning it. It's a, it's a good opportunity for people in business because there's a lot of business deductions. I will see you after the break. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Stay tuned.
1: Rockhouse Dining and Espresso is known for their patio. Enjoy the ducks and chickens visiting the patio in their environmental, farm-fresh, lively atmosphere. Rock House is an iconic landmark in Butte County since the 1930s. Seven minutes north of the Lime Saddle Bridge, only two miles past the hardware store. Originally built in 1937, the two buildings served as restaurant and tavern, shower house, barber shop, gas station, and cafe. Live music every Saturday night in the Fireside Room. All natural hot spice cider, mochas, cappuccinos, caramel macchiatos, and pumpkin pies made right here from fresh pumpkins. Kent Westfield, Christian singer-songwriter, is bringing acoustic music he's putting on his current album. Call before coming by for a list of live music at 532-1889 at Rock House Dining and Espresso on Highway 70 in Yankee Hill.
0: Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the Iron Curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. My goal is to have KKXX listeners be the most educated listeners in the whole state of California. How's that for a lofty goal? Well, I'm working on it. That's my goal. Now, I was talking about the sell-off today and that it's not a big deal. Does anybody remember that October? I can't remember the exact date. It might have been the 19th. It was October 1987 I was driving down to the Bay Area for some work from Chico I had just actually I had just moved to Chico probably two months prior to that and I was I still had some work in the Bay Area that I was doing and I remember that day driving because I always used to listen to the news radio back then I really don't so much anymore I've gone into that with you guys too and it was just amazing the Dow that day went down like 25% in one day. That would be like today, I'm doing some mental math here, that would be like today the Dow losing 6,500 points. Can you imagine that? Everybody freaks out when it loses 300 points and that's like 1.5%. If there was a 6,500 point loss in the Dow, it'd be like, there'd probably be people jumping off of bridges. Here's the problem, and this is a problem. You think it's not a problem, I'm telling you it's a problem. The Dow can't go down 6,500 points in a day. Now you might say, Harold, what do you mean by that? What I mean is that ever since 1987, there's been a thing in place that I've mentioned before here called the Plunge Protection Team, It's actually called the President's Council on Financial Markets. It's got some fancy name that sounds legit. I call it the Plunge Protection Team. And other people do too if you want to look it up on the internet and read about it. Basically what they said that day in so many words was this. We are never going to let that happen again. And there has never been another day where it dropped that far. What they have now is, now, and this is 30 years ago, what they have now is a set of rules that certain things happen when the Dow goes a certain number of points down. There's some minor adjustments happen when the Dow drops the first 100. If you notice, if you watch it all day, which I think is crazy and a waste of time, but if you watch it all day, you'll notice it'll pop down to 100 real quick, and then boom, it'll pop back up to only 80 down. But then it might work its way lower. There's certain things that kick in. I don't know all these different rules. I don't work in that industry. I really don't care. But I think it's good that you know what's happening. When the Dow hits like 100 points down, certain things get slowed down, certain trading gets slowed down. Then there's another threshold if the Dow hits like 250 or 500. There's another set of things that happen, and things slow down and they slow down then if it goes down a thousand then there's another set of things that kicks in and it slows down slows down and I'm sure and I don't really know but I would guess if there there's probably something in the rules that says if it's down by 2500 points all trading will stop and the reason they have to have all trading stop is this they are in the they are in the business of making sure that that market does not crash until they're ready to let it crash. That's what I keep telling people. They, if they wanted to, they could crash it tomorrow and there's nothing we could do. But this gives them time to send in the robots and buy up another million shares of Amazon and another million shares of Facebook and all the other stocks, I'll call them stocks, all the other companies, some of them don't even hardly make a profit, and They will buy those up to make sure that this market stays looking like a good place to leave your money. The problem is if they ever decide not to prop it up, it'll be bye-bye, bye-bye your money. Bye-bye baby, as Lon Simmons used to say. This is not the kind of place you should have all of your savings. And that's what I just keep saying. My whole thing over and over, every time I talk about this stuff, I realize that I always come back to the same thing. You've got to diversify. You should have part of your money in physical gold just as a hedge. I'm not a financial advisor. You need to talk to your own financial advisor. But this market is just not reality. Who I've mentioned this before. Who is buying bonds for 30 years that pay 2.9% When the people who issue those, another branch of, well, the Federal Reserve is not part of the government, but another branch associated with our treasury has promised to devalue your money by 2% a year. Who is buying these bonds? Not you and not me. It might be you, but you need to check with your broker. I won't repeat things I've just said last week. I don't want to bore you with that, I just want to mention that you've got to keep your money safe. And on a Dow day at the, and the Dow, down day at the Dow, that's like a tongue twister. It's a good day to just think about the fact that you cannot leave all your money in a paper market that is controlled by other people. Remember, everything you have that isn't in your hand has what's called counterparty risk. If somebody doesn't deliver their half of the bargain, you have nothing. So who are your counterparties? Think about that when you look at what you claim to have accumulated in your wealth, who are the counterparties and that's just something to think about. everything you own almost has what's called counterparty risk, and you need to think about that. I'm going to move on now to the topic of that new tax law of everybody's thinking about it, especially during tax season, of course, it just became law about a week before the end of the year, which made it a little difficult to plan for everybody. One of the big things about this new tax law for businesses, the one that got a lot of press, is the fact that corporate taxes are no longer a scale from 15% up to 35%, I believe. They're now a flat 21%. Now, that's a good opportunity for corporations who were paying more than that before. So that's a whole separate discussion from what I wanted to get into today. What they've done is they've said, okay, if we give corporations that kind of tax break on business income, we need to do something for non-corporate businesses. And there's so many. There's LLCs, partnerships, S-corporations, which are a type of corporation that's sort of a hybrid between a corporation and a partnership. And then there's sole proprietors, uh, small businesses like me who are just self-employed. So what they've done is they've got this concept called Qualified Business Income, or QBI. And what's going to end up happening is, first of all, the general rule, and of course all these rules are general because there's so many tweaks and little twists and turns, the general rule is that the net qualified business income will get a deduction based on that total Of 20% of that amount. So just to keep it real simple, if you're self-employed and you have net income of $100,000 from your self-employed business, on the second page of your tax return near your itemized deductions, where exemptions used to be, but they got rid of those, there'll be a line that'll say 20% of qualified business income, and you'll get a big deduction, and you'll get a $20,000 deduction. Now, What's going to happen is that each business has to be a business that is a qualified business for this qualified business income. But then you have to net all of those together. So in other words, let's say you have one business that makes a hundred thousand, but you have another business that loses forty thousand. Your your net qualified business income is sixty. That's the figure that the twenty percent will come off of you won't get to take the 20% off of the 100 and then ignore the 40 you lost in another business that would be rewarding losing money so this is going to be off the net qualified business income that's the that's the main overall rule of this new tax law what'll happen next is you have to say okay now which businesses are going to qualify for this generally most of them do and the one that surprised me and like i say Don't quote me on this 100% because I am still learning it. It's still January, almost February, but it's still January. I'm learning all the details of this thing, but it's a lot of work to learn it all. It appears that rental income is going to qualify under certain circumstances. So don't take that as a blanket yes, but it looks like rental income is going to qualify. So if that's the case, then if you have a guy who's got you know a couple of apartment houses in New York City and he's taking in $200,000 a month in rents or more and he's got $2 million of net income, it sounds like he's going to get a $400,000 20% deduction. I will talk to you about this when we come back from the break. Harold Littlejohn CPA saying, stay tuned.
1: Chico's Christian Radio.
0: Is scripture unclear? This is Ken Ham, an Aussie transplant with a passion for sharing the truth of God's Word. Many in the church today are trying to reinterpret God's Word to accept so-called gay marriage. You may hear some Christian leaders claim that archaeology shows the New Testament only condemns abusive gay relationships, not loving committed ones. But this means that for 2,000 years Christians have misunderstood what the Bible says about marriage and sexuality. It means scripture isn't clear and we can only understand it now that we have archaeology to help us. This subjects God's word to a higher authority. Archaeology and man's ideas. It's no longer the authority sinful human beings are. We need to take God at his word and shape our thinking.
1: Sign up for free daily email insights from Ken Ham at AnswersRadio.com. And learn about our two attractions, the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum at AnswersRadio.com. My name is Lola Silvestri and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA, your host for the next half of the program. We're talking about QBI, and if you don't know what that means, I'm going to fill you in today, but you, I'm sure you're going to hear quite a bit of it. If you're in business for yourself, or if you're a partner, or if you own a corporation, uh, if you get a share of an S-corp, you will be hearing about the words QBI. So, like, I've, I've given you the basics here about the 20% deduction, but as always, there's a lot of catches. Now, there's going to end up being tons of catches, but until the IRS works its way through some cases and does some announcements, they always announce things of how they're going to treat this, that, and the other uh, hard-to-understand uh, hard code section, which this will have plenty of we're going to be in the Netherlands for a while of what qualifies as QBI and what doesn't. Now, one of the main things that limits this QBI is that certain types of income makers aren't allowed the QBI after a certain income threshold. And this is where it gets, this part gets pretty confusing, but If you are a high-income guy, in the occupations of attorneys, accountants, doctors, uh, really the service, your service is what's making the money, your knowledge, however they define that, It's, it's tricky because in the old days, that personal service was including architects too, but the new rules don't. Because their logic is, well, architects are also involving building a building. So we're not going to call that all personal service. But doctors, accountants, and lawyers are going to be limited. If their QBI is under three, if their total income is under $315,000, they will get the 20% deduction. If it's over that, it's going to phase out. So... If you're thinking about a doctor that makes a million dollars, he's going to be over that 315 figure, and he's not going to get this big 20% of QBI deduction. Now, there's another large group of people who have this phase-out facing them, and it's everybody, everyone with over 315 of total income is theoretically limited to not get the 20% of QBI deduction. But there's a test where even if your income's high, you can get it. And what it is is it hinges on that 20% figure or the, the less, I'm sorry, the lesser of that 20% figure. I won't confuse you because this is confusing every time I look it over again. That figure, so let's just take a guy that makes a million bucks and it's not a doctor because if a doctor makes a million, he's not getting this deduction. Let's say it's a builder and he gets, I don't want to say a builder. Let's say it's a a hotel owner and let's say his net income is a million dollars. He is going to be phased out of the 20% QBI unless his business pays a lot of wages or invests in a lot of assets. excuse me, I will not go into the actual math of this because it's confusing to look at, and over the radio it would be incomprehensible. What I'm telling you is if you had a guy who was building homes but not paying wages, he might not get the QBI 20% deduction. If you have a, I'm just going to use the example of a hotel owner. Let's say he makes a net of a million, but his wages are $200,000. Uh, I'm sorry, his wages during that year were $400,000. Then his 50% of 400000 is two hundred, And so he would get the $200,000 20% deduction. I don't want to confuse you. What I want to say is that they have some catches in here where they're making sure that the wealthy people, number one, are paying a lot of wages in their business. That's all I can say. Whether you agree with this as public policy, whether you don't, I'm not taking sides, as I've said many times. Uh, I do taxes for all stripes, all parties, all affiliations. I do not take sides. And like I said before, the reason I don't take sides is not because I – don't want to offend half of my clients. The reason I don't take sides is I'm tired of participating in a system that has completely messed things up the way ours has. I'm not saying this new administration is going to do a lot better than the others. So far, all they've really accomplished uh, is a lot of... uh, Supposedly, they've been streamlining a lot of federal regulations and things, but they have got the tax bill through I, I still feel that overall the tax bill is good because most of my clients, and those are the people I help, and it's not because they're my clients. They could I could have any cross-section of clients. They would all be the same as a group. Most of my clients are going to have lower taxes. I like that. I'm not going to take sides politically, but I like when I see a working guy that I've been helping all these years, if I see him get a couple thousand dollars extra into his pocket, to buy some more groceries or something, I consider that a plus. So I'm not going to take political sides. My other main thing about it is if there is a negative about cutting taxes, it's this deficit thing. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I've told you this before, when they discover $21 trillion stolen from two only two federal agencies in the last 15 years, and you'll have to Listen to the archives to figure out what I'm talking about if you don't know, because I've mentioned this many times. If they've found that there's $21 trillion stolen, then I have no sympathy for the people who are whining about the deficit needs to be dealt with. It could have been dealt with and somebody let it slip through their fingers. That's all I'm going to say. So when the tax cuts supposedly cause this deficit— and it's a $1.5 trillion over 10 years, I say, I really do say, so what? That much could be found per year in the stolen $21 trillion. What else can I say? And if you want to look that up, just like Google, University of Michigan economist, $21 trillion, and I guarantee you'll find some articles about it. So I don't want to hear about the deficit going up because, My clients who need the money get a small tax cut. Sorry, I just don't care about the deficit anymore since I read about that. Well, I do care about it because it's going to affect all of us. That's why I insist that you at least think about diversifying your portfolio. I'm not an investment advisor. I just tell you what I like, what I think, what I predict. And I think everybody should have part of their uh, assets in physical gold. They just should. They just should have it. That's my opinion. You know, 50 years ago, that was kind of a standard. Yeah, you, uh, you know, 50 percent stocks, 40 percent bonds, and 10 percent gold. That was kind of a standard back in the old days. Well, now they don't even talk about that anymore because they've beat gold down for so long that it's just the it's the it's the dog that got beat. So many times, everybody thinks it's a lousy investment. But I still think everybody should have some of their money in that just to kind of stay safe. Now, my next topic, I wanted to visit something that I told you about a couple weeks ago. Earlier today, I mentioned Gregory Manarino commenting on the sell-off in all markets today and how it's no big deal. And I was trying to let you know that based on the 1987 crash day, it is no big deal. And I kind of agree with him on that. But a few weeks ago, I mentioned uh, three things that I was looking at just to kind of get some news. One was Gregory Manorino's daily videos, which are entertaining. And the best thing is they're short. Then I mentioned Gerald Salente. I did watch one of his after I mentioned that, and it was very funny and entertaining. The other one I mentioned was the thing called QAnon. I wanted to bring that up today because... It appears that the old QAnon of October and November, who actually was saying some things that turned out to be true, something happened with the location of where his posts were showing up. It, it, I'm not an expert at all this, and I don't listen every day, but he was originally on a place called 4chan. He ended up on a place called 8chan. And what I've been listening to from some of the commentators I, I listen to some news on YouTube with Some of them are saying, you know what, the new QAnon is fake. He's not giving any real predictions. He's just kind of cheerleading stuff. So I just wanted to mention that if anybody's been looking at QAnon posts lately, there is a good chance that the new QAnon is not the same as the one back in October and November that was actually making some predictions of things that ended up being true like a week later. And it was sort of amazing. It was like a true insider, was talking through these QAnon posts. And now it seems like these posts are just not really panning out anymore. So I think it could be a a new one that got replaced. The old one's not there anymore. I don't really know, but I just wanted to mention, since I had mentioned it earlier, that you might want to read about QAnon posts. They aren't what they used to be, and I'm not so sure that they're that great. So that's sort of a disclaimer and sort of a warning. I don't know. Not a big deal. So there's two more topics I'm going to cover between now and the end of the show. I'm coming up on another short break, the last break before the end. I am going to talk about an article by my favorite author named Egon von Greyers. I hope you guys are trying to read him somewhere because I've introduced you to him a few times and I like what he says. I think he's a good guy as far as giving you some fair warning as to why things are the way they are. And I'm also going to talk a little bit in the final segment about a subject we all know and love, especially here at KKXX Life Radio. I'm going to talk about God. So I hope that doesn't uh, put anybody off who's all business. I do know some people who are like all business, and it's like you can't be all business. You've got to, you've got to be a little bit multidimensional. You've got to have fun, you got to lighten up. you got to quit worrying about every last dime you've ever earned. I do try to instill that in people. I personally don't take it super serious. I work very hard. I try to do the best job I can, but I try to keep it lighthearted, and I try to vary it up a little bit. I don't want to be one of these all-business types who is counting the first dime they ever made that's still under their mattress. So this is Harold Little, John CPA. I'll see you back after this brief break on Business Buzz. show. I'm Scott Allred. I'm
1: Ventaney. I'm Trisha Coder.
0: And I'm Matt For.
1: This is Jessica Wilkerson, one of your hosts of Chico Now.
0: A half hour designed for the community and brought to you by the community. Each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico Now. So join us at 1230 Monday through Friday here on KKXX for Chico Now. The rest
1: of my life.
0: For an engine to start, quite a few things have to happen with split-second timing. Many things can happen perfectly, but if one small thing doesn't work, our radio station is much the same way. We can have all the right teaching and talk programs. We can be broadcasting to thousands. But if one crucial element is missing, it just doesn't work. That element is your financial support of our programs. Regular financial support and prayer support. We depend on it. With you standing behind us, everything will run just fine. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX. AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn CPA guiding you through the world of of what? All kinds of crazy stuff. I try to mention Northern California business. That's part of the basis of this whole show. But, you know, we all participate in a big joint, you know, a big connected globe. So you can't just stick locally all the time, especially when your money is sitting in a computer as a digit or dash or whatever, an electronic entry in some books back in New York City. So you got to be wary of everything and everywhere that stuff is. And like I said, don't forget your counterparty. Who is it? Who are you going to rely on when you want your, when you want your money back? Okay, My favorite author came out with another new uh, little column, so I'm going to read you part of this, Egon von Greyer's. V-O-N space G-R-E-Y-E-R-Z for those who want to learn a little more. He says, 2018 is starting right on cue. Inflationary pressures have been latent for quite some time, but have recently shown the world what is to come in the next few years. How could anyone believe the propaganda that there is no inflation? It has suited the market manipulators, but the fake wizardry of the central bankers is now about to be revealed. I was thinking that's kind of like Oz behind the curtain. Since the early 1980s, the interest rate cycle was in a strong downtrend. When the financial crisis started in 2007, central banks panicked and rates were rapidly lowered around the globe. U.S. short-term rates went from 5% in 2007 to zero in 2008 and stayed at that zero level until late 2015. I'm going to say right now, remember I've been saying this entire market we live in is fake. There's no way in nature could there be zero interest rates for seven years. It would not happen. In many countries, rates were lowered to negative, like in Japan, the Euro area, Switzerland, Sweden, etc. Low or negative interest rates defy all economic principles and distort the equilibrium of a normal market economy. They discourage savings, and without savings, there can be no sound investments. Instead, investments have been made with printed or borrowed money. Due to the low cost of money, many high-risk projects have been undertaken low or negative interest rates also lead to irresponsible deficit spending by governments this is why global debt has gone from 120 trillion in 2006 to 240 trillion today so what he's saying i'm not going to read this whole article but the uh, subtitle next is explosion in money supply will lead to inflation explosion now remember this whole thing relates to the fact that with all this money printing it's inflated The stock market and the bond market, where I bet if you call your broker, chances are you have 80% of all your money in the stock market or the bond market, or some in both. If that's the case, then you are putting your wealth in a fake market. And like I say, it could be dropped at any time by these, and I'll just say these people. I uh, I won't give any real... Uh, descriptive, colorful comments on that. I'll just say these people have the power to drop your money to zero at any time they choose. So anyway, this all plays into what I've been saying. The reason why gold and silver have been such lousy investments is because if gold were allowed, if it were allowed to reflect the true value of gold and silver right now, you would not leave your money in the bank you would be buying gold and silver. I'm not an investment advisor. I'm not telling you to go do that. I'm saying for you to analyze your own portfolio, talk to some professionals, but don't just talk to one stockbroker who's been helping you for 20 years with your 401k. Talk to two or three of them. Interview a few of them. See if some of them have some different ideas. I have one client who has an IRA that, I think seven or eight years ago was at a certain dollar amount and they've been withdrawing money to live on every year and that IRA is still at the same number level that it was seven years ago. It's making incredible gains mostly in the stock market. They've got a great broker and for the time being it's working out great. I just don't want to, I don't want anybody to rely on the counterparty risk of other people that you don't even know. You don't know the people running these mutual funds. You don't know the people running the companies that the stocks invest in. You don't know the people who manipulate the bond market. It's not wise to leave everything you have in the hands of counterparties that you don't even know. You have to at least have part of your money safe to where it's not gonna disappear. That is my last monetary commentary For today, here on KKXX, Life Radio, we like to talk about the spiritual side. I personally am in the process of finishing the publication of my book called The Miracle Business Method. And it helps people go about their business in a more spiritually oriented, non, I'll just say a non-physical fashion. Uh, in the the words of the books that I read all the time, a non-ego fashion. Now, the word ego in our normal parlance is sort of a derogatory term for somebody who's high on themselves. It's like, oh, he's got a big ego. But the real word for ego in the books that I read just means, and I've talked about this before, and the Miracle Business Method talks about this a lot, Everybody has what's called a split mind. You have two parts of your mind. You have the mind that runs your daily life, the one that tells you to go to the grocery store, the one that tells you you got to go to work today to make a paycheck. But then you have that other part of your mind that can step back and observe the thoughts of that first mind. That first mind in the books that I read is called the ego mind. And... If you can step back and observe the ego mind, you realize that well now, who is it who is it that i'm whose thoughts am I observing? If it was me thinking those thoughts, I wouldn't be thinking about observing those thoughts. I would be listening to those thoughts, and I would be caught up in those thoughts and by the way, that's how we spend ninety five percent of our time at least most people ninety nine point nine percent what i 'm talking about is the side of your mind that can actually think and say, I'm going to step out from this other one and I'm going to observe those thoughts. I'm going to step out. Basically what you're doing in this case is you're stepping out of time. Time and mind go together. Everything you think about during the day has to do with something from the past or the imagined future. It doesn't have anything to do with that present moment where everything actually happens. The mind that you're stepping back with is the mind that doesn't use time. So what I'm trying to get at is that these books that I've read and studied and that made up the basis of the Miracle Business Method talk about what it means to basically step back and not be caught up in your ego mind, in the world mind, in the mind that everything's physical and everything around you is out of your control. That's the ego mind. So you need to step back and observe the ego mind and what it's thinking. As soon as you do that, that's where you find that peaceful mind behind the daily ego mind. Now, other things that I've read that tie into this, and I'll be, I'll be getting to the God point in a little bit, but this article talks about that. This is actually directly from the Miracle Business Method. It's a section titled Einstein and You. I'll just read it here. Albert Einstein, creator of the theory of relativity and E equals mc squared, had major problems with the discoveries of quantum physics. He even called non-locality and that's the property of particles to behave as if they were still together even after being separated, Einstein called that spooky action at a distance. Now, I'm going to just remind you, Einstein was part of that pioneering group in the early 1900s that started being able to examine small particles. Newton had studied large particles like planets and apples and trees that apples fall from, And gravity, that was the Newtonian physics. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, they started getting to the point where they could start examining smaller and smaller pieces of things like atoms and molecules. That is where this whole thing called quantum physics came from. And so these were all these pioneers about 100 years ago trying to figure this stuff out. So I'm going to get back to this uh, part of the book here. Uh, he called this non-locality spooky action at a distance. Even the brilliant Einstein wanted things to be found to be the way they had always been assumed to be. He never reconciled this split with his contemporaries. Now, one other thing Einstein had said, I'm just going to interject that here. It's not in this part of the book. One time he had said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, I prefer to believe the moon is still there when I'm not looking at it. In other words, quantum physics tells us that until it's observed, there is no physical universe. So even Einstein said, I prefer, to, I prefer to think that the moon is there when I'm not looking at it. So he was averse to some of these things, and he was one of the ones discovering these things. Uh, I'll go on with this section of the book, Wallace D. Waddle's A pioneering thinker of the early 20th century and author of The Science of Getting Rich also recognized this spooky action, but he merely called it thinking stuff that fills every part of the universe. I hereby propose that we can reconcile all this weird particle behavior and freakiness that even freaked out Einstein with the simple premise put forth in A Course in Miracles that, quote, all our time is spent in dreaming. That our waking mind is merely asleep on another level and the real us is actually safe at home all the while we experience this dream or trip. And the quote from Course in Miracles says, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Then the next part of the book I wanted to get to is right after that. It's called Extra Extra Physicist Confirms Course in Miracles Theory. In Britain's Daily Telegraph, famed physicist Stephen Hawking is quoted as saying, God was not needed to create the universe. In other words, according to the famous scientist, the Big Bang was the result of the inevitable laws of physics and did not need God to spark the creation of the universe. Now, I want to let you know right now, I'm not saying there's no God. I'm just saying that the physicist says he wasn't needed. And it says... Hawking is quoted as saying that, quote, "...because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists, why we exist." I found this very apropos to everything I had been studying. Gary Renard in The Disappearance of the Universe says the very same thing. His book, which is a transcript of his conversations with ascended masters, and by the way, I'm not sure I believe that actually happened, but it's still a very educational book for anybody studying A Course in Miracles. With Ascended Masters who visited him 17 times over 9 years and explained to him in detail what the real meaning of A Course in Miracles is all about, is a must-read for any student of quantum physics and the course. The basis of the course can be summed up in what Hawking is saying. God has nothing whatsoever to do with the idle dream we are experiencing experiencing. Some might say this fact is unsettling or shocking, but after letting it sink in for a long time, I have found it quite the opposite. I experience it as very liberating. Is it is, is as if a weight has been removed from my shoulders. I hope some of that feeling will reach you too. Now, the reason I bring this up and I preface this before the break that I would be talking about God is that A Course in Miracles is very, very God-dependent it just it just likes to point out that this whole thing about suffering for god is not necessarily the right way. Now the other thing about the course is nobody is professing that the course is is correct. And when I say the course, it's called a course in miracles and I'm I've been studying it daily for almost 10 years now. Nobody says that it's the correct way to go, but it's one way that you can look at things and one of the things that really got me thinking today about talking about the, the idea of God is the whole commandment, and I've got it right here. This commandment, when I was young, always befuddled me, and I really could never make any sense out of it. And it's the commandment uh, that starts out, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And, uh, the, and I always wondered what that was about, because when I was a youngster, I loved photography. So what I'm trying to say is A Course in Miracles may have the right answer, and I'll get back to you next time with a little more about that. We're already up at the end of the show. Thanks for joining Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn CPA saying, call me, call me. It's tax season. Have a good one. KKXX Paradise. K280 GL. Chico. And K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville.
1: Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope, heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do t-